0: I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is The Rise Podcast. How, how are you? How, how is it going, Greg?
1: You know, I feel a, a balance within me trying to keep a balance between a real awareness of how disruptive and damaging these times are for many many people right that's like first thing and then there's this second part of me within me um which is just it sounds strange to say it but deep optimism Mm -hmm. and 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 i'm surprised by it to be honest but i feel this sense of all the good that both can and I think will certainly come from this discombobulation. Uh, and so that, that, I mean, I guess on a practical level, we we started, um, I've been working for home for many, many years now, writing from home. So that's not new. Um, been, we've actually been homeschooling our children. We have four children uh, homeschooling. Oh, do have you
0: five. have four as well? Yeah, How old yeah, are they?
1: Uh, oldest, is 17, youngest is 11. OK. A little bit, you know, in the older group, I suppose, now. Uh, and so, so that's actually not new either. There have been a few disruptions with that, but not not much. And so in some ways, we feel like we've been preparing for this for years and years without knowing it. And so from, in a practical way, uh, we've, we've learned some of the lessons that I think people are having to try to learn right now in a very abrupt way. We've been learning it over a period of time. For example... Uh, with homeschooling specifically, uh, you know, we, we used to think at the beginning, "Oh, it's about curriculum. What are people doing? What do they need to be learning?" And we realised after, you know, trial and error, no. What really matters is can you create, maintain a highly positive culture? <laughs> That's what <laughs> yeah. counts. That's what counts. Um, in fact, in fact, uh, Anna, my wife, and and our children, we just, we just did a project at home last week i think it was um all about this we did a video uh, we actually published it on linkedin uh, all about what we've learned about positivity and the children talking about it and if a specific game that we play uh, there's uh, like the family the positive. what is it um the the, the 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 family star chart game that's that's what it is and when we start to get negative as is in it's sort of inevitable as a parent sometimes, right? You fall into that pattern, you slip into it. One of our children will come to us and say, look, I think it's time for the family start game. We need to do another one. And that's been its own education. Um, but what it is started very simple, like a piece of paper, you know, and we sit down and we come up collectively with what's a reward, a prize that we're all excited about. We're going to watch this movie. We're going to do it banana split party and then the movie marathon we're gonna uh you know it could be something uh bigger than that um uh, right right now to be uh well the last thing that we did was to go see onward that was the that was the prize and and then so everybody's on board all six of us were all on board then the next thing is that you you just trying to catch anybody doing the right thing when you walk into the room because it's so easy to walk in and see the wrong thing and as soon as you see it, you're trying to be generous. You're not trying to be stingy with the stars. You give out the star, they go and color it in. There's no names on the star chart because it's not competitive. If anybody gets a star, everybody wins. So it's all positive. And the other rule, the final rule about it, is that you can't take a star away. There's no downside. So you just, you know, it's not, there's not, no punishment with it. It's just, just up. If somebody's doing something right, you're closer to the reward together. And I'm telling you, it has created so much goodwill and positivity as a family. Uh, we've done it now for years and years, but even now they're teenagers, they still ask for it. They still like it. The rewards change, but the culture uh, the culture doesn't.
0: I love that. I'm fully going to steal that idea and I'm going to go follow you on LinkedIn so that I can watch the video. <laughs> is that is that, you know, I, uh, having read the book, I know you went on this journey to sort of get to the the core values that you have now about really knowing what's important and what is most essential for you and your family. And it, and you, it's, it's something you've been able to practice for years, but was that this attitude towards how you bring that into parenting? Did it start there when you went on this journey to figure out what was essential or did you first look to yourself. What is essential to me? What are my core values? And then it spreads to the relationship. And then it spreads to the family. For For a listener who hasn't ever really done that journey, I, I'd love to know what the path was from where you were to where you are.
1: Um, I, I, you look, there's there's a few answers to that. But, but I remember many years ago, I don't normally share this story, but many years ago before, you know, while the idea of writing at all was just a the, the earliest embryonic stage. Uh, I had a summer. I was at law school in England and I quit after I was in the United States. And I had this Eureka moment. What would you do if you could do anything? And, I, and as I'm answering that question, I realize it isn't law school. <laughs> if I could do anything, it wouldn't be doing what I was doing. So it was a key trade-off moment, strategic trade-off, killed the one, didn't go back to law school, went back to England, you know, decide, okay, I'm going to apply uh, you know, to, to go to university in, in, in America and, and get back here, I applied to, to, to BYU six months late, didn't, um, you know, no way I was going to get in. But then one thing after another happened and I did get in. But while I was waiting for that decision to be made, I was, there was a summer. And that summer, I just spent entirely reading. Like I'm really serious, 16 hours a day for probably two and a half months. I was just completely submersed in wisdom literature. And just, it was like a layering experience because normally you read, okay, you read, maybe you read half an hour a day or an hour a day or a couple of hours or one day, even if you're studying at university, you're doing a few hours, maybe each day. This was a a unique, even now a totally unique experience. There was no distraction. There was nothing else. I wasn't married. I had no children. It was just consumed with layer after layer of this thinking. And it completely rewired me. Um, in, in a way that was, um, that was, yeah, it was totally life-changing. Uh, I, I came, I came out of that with a, a sense of mission, a sense of identity, clearer identity, who I was and what I needed to do with my life. Uh, and, and frankly, I think this whole Corona period offers, of course, it's not a distraction for the environment. <laughs> it's probably the opposite of that, but it's still, it's still an opportunity for the same kind of um, game changing reflection, where you say, well maybe I wouldn't have chosen it, but things have now been simplified. Maybe I wouldn't have chosen this thing, but maybe you know' been laid off from it. I mean all these things provide a break with the past and a chance for reflection, and that was really the deepest reflection period I would say of my whole life uh, and and even now I can feel the uh, the waves of uh, of that experience, you know, still flowing out into, into my life. Now
0: you went on this journey, you, you sort of did, you dive into books and you're doing self-reflection and I know that this is you having to make an educated guess here, but I'm wondering how the situation is different. If it feels like it's forced on you versus something that you chose. And so we're doing this work right now with our community in what is your perspective and how do you look at this situation? Is this thing happening to you or is it possible that there are things within this season that are for you? So for someone who's listening to this and they Yes, they have their things have been made crystal clear, but maybe they've been made crystal clear for them in a way that was painful. Maybe they lost a job or their business is struggling right. or their family's struggling. Like how right. do you how do you find the the beauty in that? Which right. sounds like Pollyanna, I know, but there is beauty in that. There hey, is such goodness ever, in Have
1: it. you ever read the the the, the actual book Pollyanna? like the-, the No! The, yeah, because no. nobody ever has, but I, I, and I haven't either, I can't take credit for this, but, but I've sort of read it by, uh, by, by, by osmosis because, because my wife read it to our children. And, uh, and it's the most beautiful story. <laughs> so it's funny how we say that. Pollyanna, in, in the actual story, she turns a negative into a positive a hundred times. And, and a person, listen here, a person who can turn a negative into a positive can never be defeated. And so it's funny how we've t- come to absorb that term well, I know it sounds quite anarish and that's almost the only way we use that term now, but actually it's so dynamic and powerful and causative and it, it, they, this is if I could choose any ability for myself, it would be this one um and 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 i I think there are a few principles uh that I've come across in my research over over the last, well, now 20 years, that I think have, have relevance for how to do this. Um, we had a situation happen, uh, come up uh, probably a year and a uh, year and a half-ish ago now. And, and here's the situation. So we move we move house, we move into a really lovely environment, like uh, a place that was built in the 1950s. It's white picket fences down the streets. There's no street lamps. There's more horseways than roadways. Uh, I mean, it is really like a sort of, quite a picturesque place. And we're just so delighted to be there. We, we've got, our children are happy. And uh, one of our children, Eve, is especially uh, thriving in the environment. She's out chasing uh, you know, uh, lizards all over the place and then letting them go and up trees. And she's just delightful. She's reading James Herriot, all of his books. And just just always voluminous in the way that she speaks about things, all of this. Then she turns 14. And as she turns fourteen, she starts taking longer to do her chores, talking less, and and so we just sort of say, well, she seems a little awkward in certain things. We go, look, it's pretty age appropriate, you know, okay. And then she has a a, a checkup with a physical therapist who uh, who does a test, and she fails a basic test. And she pulls he pulls my wife aside and said, look, I think you should just. Go see a neurologist just to be sure. This this is odd that this would happen. Well, you don't have to be warned twice when you hear something like that, right? And so, you um, so we went immediately. It the same day, if I remember, but just immediately to see a neurologist and and, and began a process because starting to seeing it through that lens, all of this change in behavior suddenly seemed really different to us. And and not only did we see it differently, the decline afterwards, the next month or two was a free fall decline in capabilities like it, almost like you take somebody and you just put them in slow motion, just like so that it took her like two minutes to write her own name that kind of thing like this is the stuff that suffering can be made of you mm-hmm. you 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 do not know what's going on they cannot the, the, the these neurologists cannot even offer the beginning of a diagnosis and so we faced one of the most important test moments, decision moments of our family life, and we realize you can either choose to sort of focus on what's not going right, what you don't have control over, which pulls you into a whole spiral, right? I mean, that that's that's of course it's more negative, but it's also less empowered. It, it's it's all of those things. That's that's one option, or you have a different choice, which is focus on what is going right be grateful about what what anything you can be in fact and lean into it and we realized quite quickly that that's the only viable option yeah. and so we chose it you know fully and that t- so what does that look like well the, the it means you're thankful for music and you go and sing around the piano together uh, it means you 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 are thankful for for nature, if you go out and have walks in nature, you're and so in the midst of certainly what could have been the worst thing ever, um, we experienced and I don't use this word lightly joy and um, and that was such a game changer to realize that even in life's crucibles, you, you know life can be really good yeah and it was like a magic. It was like magic. What happened? It quickly, there was like this this positivity bred more positivity bred bred, you know, greater faith, greater hope, a sense that the future was bright. Things were going. It were, this is going to be okay. Don't worry about all the things you can't control. Have joy in this moment, and and it multiplied, and uh, and, and and great things happened too. People, friends, friends called. Uh, you know, the word went out, and suddenly there's this legion of people sending positive feeling and actually praying. And we could feel that su- sustaining sense and and the sense that it all would be well. Uh, a, a neurologist um, who had a nine-month waiting list, he is a specialist in movement disorders for pediatrics, which I'm just saying like those three make it an absurd level of speciality. Like almost nobody mm-hmm. knows that. So that's why it's a nine month waiting list. He suddenly is available. He comes in, but even when he came, he's like two hours late for us in that appointment. I start thinking, oh, and start maybe feeling like complaining. And I did complain, my wife said, no, I'm thankful even for this because, and as she says it, she, she can have the insight. If, if he's late for us, it means he's with somebody else caring about them. When he comes to us, he'll be caring about Eve. It's gonna be okay. And when he did, that's exactly what it is. He brought a whole team with him and he took a completely different approach to what was going on. And within, we spent hours with him that day and his team. And they had an insight, one key, tiny insight in their approach that helped us to get her immediately hospitalized and, and so on. And, and I'll tell you, it didn't just stop there. there were, in the week after she came home from the hospital... She's throwing up. She's still sick. We don't know what's, what, why that's happening. Then there's a mass shooting next to one of our daughters, close to where our daughter goes to school. The next day after the mass shooting, we have emergency evacuations because of the fires, uh, the, the, the fires that were happening in, in the Calabasas area where we live. Um, we wo- we- This it sounds, it sounds very, very first world problem here, but we have this idea we should go to Disneyland. That's where we should go. We're gonna get out of here. We've got to do something. We might as well go to so we go to Disneyland. And we, we some friends of us have the same idea. They're there, and we bump so they let us know they're coming. So we, we we end up in the same hotel with them. And then while we're in the hotel with that extended family, my friend, his brother, who's there staying in the same hotel, dies. This is all within one week of her being hospitalized. So I'm just trying to describe what I think the I think the military would call a VUCA environment, right? Volatility, (laughs) uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. It's like, what are the principles that are essential in this environment? And and what, what I learned was this simple lesson. Here's what I learned. When we focus on what we lack, we lose what we have.
0: Yeah.
1: But when we focus on what we have, we gain what we lack. That's what I learned. The, 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 that, that family that we were with in the, in, in the hotel, we became bonded with, socially bonded, and still are to this day. Eve has recovered immensely. It's an ongoing process. It's, we're not, it's not all resolved, but we absolutely believe she will be completely, completely healed. Um, meanwhile, the culture that was created, the asset that was built in our family... Is, is, is actually different, right? Like it builds, I didn't have language for it at the time, but there's research to explain what was happening to us. And I can get to that if you're interested. We, we, we had this reserve built into our culture. And now with Corona coming along, two things I noticed. One is the culture's all there. So it, yeah. can, it has this resiliency that is so surprising. But there's, not, there's just genuine joy and happiness in the family. It's like, it's totally fine. And, and the, the reason I say all of this is because I think this can all be useful for any person going through this right now. This is the opportunity of a lifetime to build new capabilities and reserves that can help us thrive in whatever future challenge inevitably come along.
0: Luxury is meant to be livable. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Right It's so interesting that you say that because I haven't really thought of it in these terms before. But I would say there's something similar in our family in that we went through a very long and very arduous adoption process to adopt our daughter, who nice. is our our youngest uh, child. Yes. And we were foster parents in L.A. County, so you can imagine what that was yes. like. Uh, yes. So we foster parents there. And that was several years with our with our boys of walking through a really hard season and having children come in and out of our home. and I it did make us stronger. It was so hard, and still today, all these years later, our, you know, they'll they'll say, "Oh, I miss," you know, they'll miss one of the kids that was with yes. us for a while. Yes. But it made them so much more resilient, and it made us as a family so much closer, even though it was so difficult. And I can see that mirroring right now in our lives. That we certainly, you know, my husband and I have had a few, you know, few days when this all started for us several weeks ago of like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And we own a business and we have 60 employees and just all the things that you are afraid of when something like this happens. Yes. But how quickly our family sort of rallied and like uh, 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 one of our models is we choose joy. So it's so ironic that this is the conversation that we're having. But it does make me think, I keep reiterating this on the podcast and I'm just gonna keep saying it because I, I know so many listeners are parents. Your children will look back on this time and how you as a family are going through what is a crisis out in the world is you modeling for your children what it means to walk through hardship, Completely, Do, you know, Completely. right? Like they will look back on this years from now and I keep thinking this about my own kids that I want when they, when someone years from now talks about this time period, I want them to remember, oh yeah, we, we played outside nonstop and we went on bike rides and we caught lizards, right? We made dinner together, not this fear or uncertainty, or I, I don't want that to be the thing that they were remember. And I think as, as parents, we are, especially if my kids are younger than yours, there's a bit more control over how they perceive this reality. And so it's, man, if you can't choose joy for yourself, do it for them because they will remember this time and they are watching to see how you manage what you're feeling.
1: Well, and and we can add to that. So one of the interesting pieces of research that I came across is to do with... um, is an unusual approach to building resiliency into children and um, and families. And it's this that you want to build into a child's identity what these researchers call the intergenerational self. And, and and this this is such a compelling idea. I think it's a life-changing idea. And and what it means is this. What they found in their research is that if if parents will, sometimes you have to do the research to be able to do this, but will tell stories to their children of ancestors who have overcome challenges, it builds this much greater sense of, of well, I've always used the word resilience, into, into their core identity. And we were just talking about this at a family dinner just within the last you know, few days, so, just making some, these are gen, generic points that we can all say. It wasn't even specific about, too specific about our family members, but we were saying your ancestors survived the Great Plague. Your ancestors survived the Roman invasion. <laughs> you know, seriously though, your ancestors survived the First World War, the Second World War, the Great Depression. There, there is resiliency in your blood. You are here. And, and, and from our point of view, not by accident either. There is a sense of that for for, for us at least, a, a worldview that, that that supports that. Um, but but to me, the, the, the research is is strong that if you can help people to remember stories of people who have gone through this, maybe you haven't gone through it, but other people have been through these things in your own family history, in our family history. I mean, I have I have you know, Jewish ancestors who survived the, some didn't survive but some did survive the pogroms in russia some survived the uh, uh the, the the holocaust uh and, the, and the, some issues that, that that surrounded the uh the consumption of, of, of europe in that madness uh and uh amazing story about my some of my, my grandfather's um wife who uh who, who if she turned left one day in paris would have been taken by uh, by whatever the, the the Nazi soldiers, but she was helped uh, by some people to by some nuns to go the other way, and uh, you know, like th- this is this is these are powerful stories, and I think that sharing those stories, but learning about them, and researching them even now, as you're going through this, provides this additional context that that I think has sometimes been lost when we see through a nuclear family lens. Which, by the way, is a really recent phenomenon that we think of the that we emphasise the nuclear family as its core, as the core identity of a family. It was born when television was born. It was representation of two parents, two kids in a house. That is what the that's what a family is. Was was taught to us, and prior to that, through like all human history, it was intergenerational, partially because people lived together in intergenerational families. The, 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 your mother and your grandparents are living together with you, if not in your house next door to you. Like, this was just the identity. And I think that there's so much power in intergenerational families and ex- extended families. I think this is a good time for us to be leaning into that.
0: So fascinating. The idea of the nuclear family, I've never thought of it before. And it's so true. I definitely grew up in um, my ancestors are Irish by descent, a big Oaky family. And wh- I was raised by the village. I was raised by aunts and uncles and grandparents. And that was always a part of my life growing up. And is thing we live in a state away from the rest of our family that we don't have access, my kids don't have access to those relatives like I did growing up. But I love the idea that this is such an opportunity right now when everyone's at home and we all have more time and it's so easy through technology to be able to see someone's face and allow even your littlest kids to interact with your older relatives. And, and what a blessing on both sides. It's not something that I thought of before and uh, super interesting. I'm curious, I, you know, as you're talking through this, um, man, I hope the next book you're writing has something to do with family because this that, is not the point of the conversation. But I feel like so much of what you're saying, I'm like, man, how did you, is, is your wife Anna? Is that yes. her name?
2: Yes. How
0: did you guys? come up. So for for me, I would call them core values and you call them these sort of the essential things. And and I haven't even said it because I'm being a terrible podcast host, but the book is called Essentialism. It has been around for a very long time. It is wildly successful. If you have not read it yet, please, this is what you need to do during your quarantine time. But one of the things that I wondered throughout. I'm wondering now for you and Anna, how, how you identify these things for your family. But if you are reading it and it's like, yes, I agree. We need to know what matters most. How do you figure out what matters most? Whether you're a single person listening to this or you're a parent of four kids, how do you figure out what is essential to you?
1: Well, I think that this is, um, I've got lots of thoughts on this as you'd expect. I mean, one is just the one is, you've got to start with the premise, which is that not everything is created equal. So you've got to kick out this old idea. It's, it, it, the harder part of becoming an essentialist, I think, is, is realizing how non-essentialist our current thinking is, the outside culture and also just our internal paradigm is so non essentialist because this is the basic premise of non-essentialism, is, is that everything is approximately of equal value. I just have to do it all. I have to do everything. So you're trying to do everything, but and, and you feel overwhelmed from the set. You wake up in the morning, and you know that feeling when it all rushes at you. C.S. Lewis described that as like rushing at you like wild animals just coming at you. And so that's all the burden, the overwhelm. Oh, there's so much to do. And in that moment, it's 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 like you have to you have to push it off and say, no, it's not all of equal value. It's not. I got to push that back, all that noise, all those voices, so that I can hear that other voice, that quieter voice, that sense of of, of internal direction that in my own life seems to know intuitively that only a few things really matter today. And. And those few things, if I do them, are so disproportionately valuable, they will change everything else. They are game changing things, especially if it's if I do this habitually, you know, over years, push off all that non-essential noise, all that stuff that's coming at you. What really matters? And so I think that in that little moment, multiply that through years, that's what my wife and I have always been about that was one of the unique things that drew us to each other in the beginning was an under a dual conviction that to discern and follow that voice of conscience was so much more valuable than than doing a hundred other things you know like in fact we see it that that i would even describe it as a It's a mindset, but it's also a skill set. That skill set is like basically the essential job of parenting, because what we want is to inculcate that way of making decisions into our children, or at least remove all the obstacles, all the non-essential voices and junk and noise so that they can start to hear it themselves and then be led by it. Because if you do that, then the, the, the job of parenting is done. Our job of of guidance and and nurturing and leading, no, the leading is coming from within now. They're leading, they're guiding, they're able to make decisions. They they can become essentialists in their own right. And so to, to us, that's the core, the very essence of essentialism is really that. And so our highest priority in life, both as parents, but also as individuals, everybody listening to this, the highest priority is to protect the ability to prioritize, meaning to protect, nurture, educate that voice of conscience so that it can be the guiding force rather than just what everybody else is doing and a fear of missing out and all the noise on social media and all the latest to have headlines in, in news and all of that, those voices, you get to push all of that out and be led by something different.
0: What do you think gets in most people's way? Like, I'm wondering as you're speaking, how much ego plays into like my personal, like as you're, I was reading the book and I was like, yes to this. And I feel like, um, it's something my therapist has said to me. I always feel like when you hear things from several different places, it's God's way of being like, please listen to this thing. And I think in myself, if I'm being honest, what, what sort of blocks off that access to really disseminating things down into these core essential things are it, I'm I'm sure the ego plays into it because I feel like, but I'm so good at all of these things, which no. sounds like such a jerky thing to say, but I'm like, I am the CEO of this company and I can write these books and I can speak on like all of these things that to let go of like how, that that's what, I read the book and I was like, yes, I am into this thing. I know my core values. I know my relationship with my husband and I know my children. But I think where I struggle is when it comes to my work which could essentially be so many things, how do you get that down to what really matters? because I'm like, well, what really matters is being a servant leader to this community of people online, but then how I show up for them, that's what occupies every hour of the day. So I've, I feel like I'm having a therapy session with you, but I'm like, how do you figure out what to let go of?
1: Let, let, let's, let it's a great question, um, but let's answer it in 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 an unusual way. So so like just just you could choose what you just talked about, but I want to get a little more specific. What is something right now that is essential to you that you think you're underinvesting in?
0: Uh, rest.
1: Yeah. OK, <laughs> good. And, and, and what and what would what would that rest look like for you? Like get, help me help describe. I mean, I know what rest means, but I would like you to try to give me it in like concrete terms? Is it taking well, the, every day? Is it sleeping more? Is it, is it relaxing? Like what, what is the rest that you think, man, if I just did that, it would make such a difference?
0: What I have done in the past, which I it, it's very interesting with the state that we're in right now, how much it has been flipped sideways is work really, really hard and then take a great vacation. Work really, really hard then take a great vacation. And the very first week that we went into quarantine, was the week that was our children's spring break that we were supposed to be on family vacation. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I I told my husband, like, oh my gosh, this is warping my sense of these things that we work for. Right. So yes. like you're yeah. working for this chance to go rest. And then it's removed <laughs> because in the last three weeks I've never worked harder in my life because All of the things involved in making sure that my team at work is taking care of in this season have just required so much extra time. So even you saying like a nap every day or uh, to be totally honest with you, I haven't done a good job of figuring out how to have rest in the everyday. I tend to punt rest for like a special occasion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I understand what you're saying. You're you're saying like your your strategy has been – be out of balance in one period of time so that I can be in balance over a longer period of time.
0: A million percent.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it sounds like, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think, I think it probably is that that's worked. Maybe it's not been perfect, yeah. but it's like there's, there's an equilibrium to that and it works and, and, and this is how you've dealt with this need. Um, yes. Yes. It, 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 I, I love how honest you are about how hard you've been working over these last few weeks because I think for some people they must feel a bit like, oh, I got nothing to do, but and that people certainly seem to talk like that right now. Oh yes, everyone's just gonna be sitting at home not knowing what to do. And I'm like, I right, well, I haven't talked to anyone who's doing that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Like yeah, trying me to do either the same as before under weirder circumstances. So exactly so, right. So, so Okay so so what we're really up against is designing a new system for you that works in the normal day, not just saved up for vacation because who knows how long it is before you can have a typical vacation again Yes, yeah, yes all right so let's let's try and identify what success would would look like for you not how do we do it just what would it look like uh you know let's just paint it for a second. What What, is it what I was saying? Is it nap a day, <laughs> get a certain number of hours of sleep, you know, have time yes. going on a walk? Like what's, what, describe for me what you think rest would look like for you. Well, the
0: hilarity is I don't even have a great answer because it's not something I've really thought of before. I have, yep. uh, worked really hard. This is going to sound hilarious, but like I've worked really hard to not be a workaholic. I used to absolutely be a workaholic and I've worked really hard, done a lot of therapy, a lot of prayer to get to the place where that isn't my life. But it's so interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting that you asked this question because I had a virtual therapy session last week and my therapist said, what are the things that you do? And I'm telling this story because I think that if you're listening to this at home right now, that maybe there's some peace in this for you. She said, What are the things that happen for you in Hawaii, which is where our family vacations? What are the things that happen for you in Hawaii? Mm. Now you can't have the palm trees and you can't have the sand and you can have the beach, but what are the things that represent a vacation to you that yep. you could recreate at home? Yep. So for me, that looks like disconnection from work. It looks yep. like disconnection from social media because given my job, I, I do feel a sense of needing to show up for the community so that I, I feel a sense of responsibility to the people in my community to show up and perk them up and tell them that it's going to be okay. Um, and it, is, it does look like naps. It does look like walks. It's like those simple things that I do in Hawaii that I can recreate here, but I've never even considered it before.
1: Yeah, I, I love that because because for you, really, the neural association is that those things can only happen in Hawaii. That is exactly right. Uh,
0: <laughs> I didn't know we were going to have therapy today, Greg.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I, this is this is this is all good. this good, isn't it? Though it's good. It's it's positive. Uh, thank you for being open and vulnerable too, because it's 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 in service to all of us. And and I see it as maybe positive therapy if we're going to use that term uh, because it's, this is, this is so real for so many people right now. The, the, the way the phrase I would use for this is something called protect the asset, right? That's the language, protect the asset and, and your primary asset. I've already kind of led the case for this, but your primary asset is your ability to prioritize that ability to discern and focus what really matters most. That is the highest priority out of many other competing activities. And that's why we rest. That's why we need to, I mean, I can list a few other things that that are helpful to me. That's why I journal. If I'm starting to go crazy, I want to journal for a while. Just get it all out of my head, especially write what I'm grateful for, because it it, it starts to help you see, oh, I'm not behind. Look at all these good things, look at all these assets. but but there are lots of things we do so that we can protect the asset of discernment, of prioritization, so that you don't get burned out and make worse decisions over time uh, that pull you down into the cycle.
0: I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. traveltexas.com slash get your own.
1: Okay, but we're not finished with this. So, so let's, let's, I want to get more, just one level more concrete with you. How much time would you want to be devoting to this rest, to rest per day, week, <laughs> whatever, right? Like give me, give me what's a realistic, thing that you would go, look, it's not perfect, but I would genuinely feel I was making good progress if I'd done this.
0: Probably stopping work earlier in the day and really stepping away from it. I do think that's a negative side effect of having my office now in my home is Mm -hmm. that it's so easy to walk in. I I normally am very good at leaving things at the office, but now the office is inside my home. Yeah, so right, I feel like a simple thing would be just saying like, hey guys, at four o'clock, I'm shutting down. I'm with the family and I'll be back on tomorrow. And not a single person on my team would have a problem with that. Um, I just haven't made that a priority to do it.
1: Okay, so that that's 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 like the key thing. Oh, that's one key thing, 4 p.m., shut off. Would that be sufficient? Would you go, oh, that would be enough. I would then be resting. Or would you just be, hey, I'm spending more time with family, but actually I'm still getting burned up. What's your thoughts?
0: I also really want to walk. So I, I move my body every day. I exercise every day of my life. But those tend to be kind of high endurance things. <laughs> yeah. um, and when I'm in Hawaii, I just walk on the beach for an hour every morning. That's not huh. I live in the most beautiful I live in the country in Texas I I have beautiful land around me that I never ever walk in.
1: Right, you um, can do it. You're saying yes, I could do it here. 100% but it's not my habit here.
0: Yes, exactly right.
1: When would you want to walk? Would you want to do it in the morning like you do in Hawaii?
0: I feel like I would love to walk in the middle of the day, like at, on my lunch break, just to sort of reset for the afternoon as a nice like break up the day.
1: Okay. Give, give me a, give me a time.
0: 1230.
1: Okay, good. So at 1230, when it turns 1230, I will be walking outside uh, for how long? Half an hour. Okay. For half an hour. Uh, And then I will shut off. I will leave my phone and computer in my office at four o'clock and not get it again until when
0: until um 7 a.m when i grab my phone to go run or go work out because the music
1: (laughs) um okay good so 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 i feel like this is a sufficient behavioral change to try and build into your routine right now we could layer on more but i think we don't want the relaxation the rest stuff to feel overwhelming and 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 I mean, even these two might be a might be a bit much to just do all of a sudden. But but uh, but let's just proceed with it. So 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 let's just skip to just execution for a second here. What what would make it easy to make the changes you just described? <laughs> just like what,
0: honestly, it's as simple as telling my assistant who schedules it into my calendar, because any anxiety comes from feeling like my team would need me and not be able to access
1: me. So so, so, so let's you so your assistant, what's your assistant's name? Allie. Okay, so Allie, so I'm Allie now, and you're, you're picking up the phone right after this, and you're gonna say what to Allie?
0: Uh, hey, I need, uh, I'm going to close down work every day at four and I'm going to be out for lunch from 12 to one. So just mark those times out in my calendar. Do,
1: do, would you want to tell her why, or is it sufficient just to ask her to do it? It's going to put on your calendar. That's enough, uh, enough of re- the reason
0: I would. Yeah. I mean, I feel like just putting it in the calendar would be enough. Normally I would tell her this just because, she would find this conversation fascinating and, you know, I wouldn't have, it, there would be nothing yeah, weird yeah. about telling her the reasons why. What,
1: what, yeah. what is the why? Tell, just, just have a shot at putting into your own words what the why is for making these two changes.
0: I feel like I am doing more in a work day right now than I have in the entirety of my career, which is saying something. Um, and I can definitely feel the mental fatigue like I'm literally saying to team members, and this is what you said this earlier, I'm I'm writing notes in our podcast, which I never do taking notes about what you're saying. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying to team members often now, can we have a phone call about that tomorrow? Because I can't make any more decisions today. Because I know that I, I have you're in decision
1: fatigue. Yes, I'm going to make fatigue. a
0: bad decision because I I can't even totally conceptualize what they're saying because I've decided so many things today, I don't have any room left. So just giving myself a little space, it would be so helpful.
1: What you just said to me is I am actually beginning to burn out. And so I, so I need to make these changes because I can feel I'm burning out. That's what you said. But now I'm going to push you one more time. Why, why does that matter? Why does that matter?
0: Why does not burning out matter?
1: Yeah. Why is that important?
0: because a lot of people are counting on me,
1: okay all the people your 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 family's counting on you, your employees uh, are counting on you the the the, the biggest
0: community. yeah, the biggest concern would be my employees you know the all of these people who work for us and their families and their health insurance and all of those things are um those require us to continue to be a successful business. And the honest truth is I run a company where a huge portion of our revenue comes from live events and I don't know where that's going to come back again. And so we immediately pivoted immediately and made some, some great decisions and did some things that I think will be really good for us in the long run Um, but because they're all brand new initiatives, that is why I'm working so much right now. So I have to be healthy and strong and mentally and emotionally great, or I'm not going to be able to serve them and serving them is my life's mission.
1: Yeah. Give me one more time. Why does that matter so much?
0: Because I have to be able to take care of my team because go if beyond, i go beyond
1: it. what you said you said something that you said it's my life's purpose what, what, what why does why does fulfilling this life purpose matter so much to you
0: i feel i i personally believe like i've worked so hard to get where i am but i personally believe that i was given this opportunity by something greater than me and i believe to whom much is given much is expected and how i think that manifests is i've created this company where people feel safe and loved and taken care of. And that, that's my thing. You,
1: you, what you just said is, uh, this is what I came here to do. Yeah. This is my mission, my unique mission. So it's, it's no joking, matter. It's no peripheral thing. It's like, it's what I came here to do. It is a, a an important component of what I uniquely came here to contribute in my life. And so, Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So I just want to tie that back now to the behavioral change you're wanting to make. (laughs) And this conversation with Ali, either literal conversation or even just metaphorically now, just thinking about trying to express it to her or others. The reason I need to go for a walk at 1230 for half an hour and the reason that I need to shut off my phone and computer at 4 o'clock each night is because if i don't i will fail in fulfilling my unique mission in life. Yeah. <laughs> does that sound that's- is that an exaggeration or does it does it does it, does it feel resonant? No, you?
0: that that's absolutely real. I think what i'm what i'm contemplating right now is i work with the you know the most supportive bunch of hippies you've ever met. Like somewhere right now they're like sitting next to a salt lamp and like getting in touch with their inner selves, I'm sure. And so (laughs) no one would think this was weird. And what I, what I more find interesting as I'm processing this with you is I literally own the company. I am the CEO. No one would think this was weird. So why knowing that it would be helpful and having those answers ready to go when you're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, Oh, these things. Why isn't that something that has ever that I've ever implemented before? Is
1: you what know, I'm trying to. I, I think it is. I'm sure that's a fruitful question in a conversation. You know, I'm sure you will reflect on it. Yeah. I almost want to encourage you. I want to say encourage you not to dis- to answer that, but I, I'll even just say, well, the real question is, what am I going to do now? You know, yeah, like, I want to encourage you just move forward. Okay, now you're here. What 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 can you do to positively move this forward in the next moment? What is the soonest time that you can apply what we are talking about right now? What is the well, first chance that you have to implement it?
0: Well, when I get off this call with you,
1: it's four oh three.
0: So I'm gonna stop working for today.
1: Right. So this will yeah. be it. You yep. you you can implement it now. And 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 I'm not saying that deep exploration isn't valuable. I've done plenty of that myself and I do think there's value in it, but I also think there's a limit to it as well. So I just okay. sort of the gentle uh, thought is, is well almost who cares what matters, yeah. what the power that you have is right now you make the change right now. You can have it. And and I would want to maybe stack the decks in your favor, even a little more by saying, how can you reward yourself externally in a way consistent with what your goal is, if you achieve consistency in this goal, you know, this week. So, so like, for example, okay, I know that doesn't work now in the in, this in environment, but you're thinking of something that is a reward. If you successfully do these two things this week, like what's something that would just, you know, just help you to, to, to actually follow through. Like, for example, I have a friend who who the uh, there's a a certain podcast he loves to listen to. And he he said, I'm only allowed to listen to that when I'm running in the morning on the treadmill. So he's he's rewarding himself immediately for doing the thing that he wants to do. And I just, it's it's a question, we don't have to have an answer right now, but like what is something that would help really reinforce and make this easy to do? Uh, I'm a huge proponent of the principle of ease. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's smart. Yeah, that's super smart. I'll think of some I'll think of something that happens every day at four that makes it so that it's like, oh, it's four o'clock and I get to have this thing or this is part of sort of yeah. my my ending the day ritual. That's a great Ex- idea.
1: Exactly. Something immediately rewarding, something that you just is fun that reinforces this. There are many mechanisms beyond this conversation for making something For stacking it in your favor. And I'm, I'm a believer in like using all of those possible things so that we increase the chance that we consistently do the change. Doing it once is the first challenge. But what we really want is that it just becomes the new normal. Certainly for as long as this Corona stuff goes on, uh, these are the new habits so that you find a new equilibrium, a dynamic equilibrium for these circumstances. And maybe, you will end up with new personal resources and res- uh, reserves for our conversation earlier for the future if these habits become not just Corona habits, but lifelong habits. Uh, to me, uh, anyway, that seems pretty essential. Uh,
0: that is so this is so fantastic. This is we went in 15 directions that I didn't anticipate us going in. Uh, but I am so blessed by our conversation, Greg. I super appreciate you digging into that with me. Uh, guys, if you're listening to this, you have to go read essentialism. If you have not read it yet, Greg, tell people where, if they want to hang out with you online, if they want to follow you on any, what social platforms are you on? What's your website? Give them all that juicy detail. Um,
1: uh, sign up for the newsletter, gregmckeon.com. Um, you can go to LinkedIn. That's where I've been posting some, uh, like the video I mentioned earlier on. And I think there'll be more those kinds of videos coming out as part of a uh, corona isolation. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the you can also follow me on 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 Twitter, and uh, and we'll just keep this conversation going.
0: Thank you so much. I, I super super appreciate
1: it. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you, Rachel.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Rise Podcast. Coming up next, we have our next 90 Days Teaching Sneak Peek right after this message from one of our sponsors. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Market.com slash ThriveMarket.com slash This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Welcome back to our weekly Next 90 Days Check-In. Our team is hard at work bringing you all of the things to keep your motivation high and your cup filled as we tackle this wild, hard season of quarantine. If you're not familiar with our Next 90 Days Challenge, then let me give you a little insight. Each and every week, we pick a theme that we feel like will be helpful honestly to us, but also to our community during this time. So it's things like finding joy or creating great habits or what is truly essential or how to be productive. It's all of the things that we feel like we're struggling with a bit. And every single week, along with the theme, Myself or Dave teach a digital lesson. And along with that digital lesson, you get free downloads and workbooks and different things to work through all inside our learning portal. And here is the best part. It is 100% free. It was our chance to give back to our community who has supported us so much. So if you like the sound of this lesson, if it feels like it might be interesting to you, then head over to theholliscode.com forward slash Next 90. That's Holliscode.com forward slash N-E-X-T ninety, Or you can click on the link that are in the show notes wherever you listen to this podcast.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Welcome to our next installment of the Next 90 Days course. This week, we are talking about what is essential We are talking about what really matters, getting down to the basics of how we parse through what really matters and maybe more importantly, what does not matter, what really is essential and maybe more importantly, what is not essential at all. So uh, in this course, man, I am excited to just help walk through a little bit of a framework of how we've thought about trying to understand what matters and what doesn't and hopefully arm you with some tools on how you can get a handle on some of the basics and in having a better handle, reduce some of your anxiety, reduce some of your stress, draw more of your focus to the things that actually matter, and let go, be free from the things that do not actually matter. When uh, we started this quarantine, I was uh, just starting to write on my next book, And one of the very first things that I wrote in this book is a line that now I've seen uh, circulating the internet, which is very bizarre, but it is a, a, a thing I wanna pose to you. In this rush to return to normal, let's use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to, right? We have been given a gift inside of this time, this abnormal, this weird upside down quarantine, to do an inventory on what actually matters in our life, and as we're able to think about what, of what we used to have, what we used to care about, what we used to afford value to, what we used to think were absolute musts in our life, now we get to actually ask the question, what of those things do we really need? rather than just want? What do we really wanna stay connected to when whatever this new version of normal ends up revealing itself when this time is done? uh, We have this opportunity now to redefine for ourselves what is essential, what really matters. So as we rush to get back to it, let's use this time to do just that. I mean, if you think about it, if we go back to things being exactly as they were, we will have missed the opportunity to take some good from this bad. This time that we have here, right, this is a gift that nobody asked for, and yet here we are, we're sitting in it, and it has, in it being this time to consider these things, given us the opportunity to do some housekeeping in where we focus, in who we spend time with, in what we consume, how much we consume, how we work. What matters most? And importantly, more importantly, what doesn't, right? So let's take some notes in this time. We're getting a lesson that we cannot forget when things do return to whatever normal ends up looking like on the other side. So when it comes to essentials, when it comes to thinking about what really matters, I've always tried to keep a list of the things that have the most value to me, that are the most essential in my life. Uh, Call them personal values Uh, I've called the things in my uh, work life, my operating principles, but I've tried to keep a running list. What are the things that are essential to me? Because in the way that we talked about it in the habits conversation, if I can know the things that are most important in my life, then I can engineer and organize my life in a way that helps make those things a reality or at least helps create the greatest chance for those things to show up in my life. And so the things that I, you know, coming into quarantine had on my list were these five things. Uh, Really staying focused on how I feel about myself when I'm by myself, right? How you feel about yourself when you're by yourself is one of the most important things in the entire world. And that exercise of trying to create coherence between who you'd hope to be and who you know yourself to be when you're by yourself That is, man, the thing that keeps my drum beating, that keeps me motivated on the days I don't feel like it, is the thing that has me trying to close that gap between who I know I can be and who I show up as on an every single day basis. Uh, The return that I get in investing in my health, right? Not just my physical health, but my emotional, my mental, my spiritual, and my physical health. How I get a return investing in my health is something that is essential in my life. Uh, Keeping my relationship with my wife and my kids first, right? Like maintaining that no matter what, no matter what happens in our business, no matter what happens outside of the walls of this house, no matter what happens with other people or uh, anything, that the number one most important thing in our life, in my life, is the way that I preserve and maintain the relationship with my wife and the way that I show up well and love well on uh, my kids, with my kids. And so, uh, that as a priority, man, that's one of my big five. Uh, The fourth one, and I'm going to talk about in a second how some of these had to change, but the fourth one coming into quarantine was manufacturing lifelong memories from world-class experiences, which in these times sounds crazy, right? But coming into quarantine, that was one of my things. I was like, you know what? I would rather save the money and a couple of times a year have really cool experiences that will, in the words of my buddy Jesse Itzler, build my life resume, then uh, spend frivolously or ridiculously on stuff that doesn't really matter and doesn't leave lasting memories. I want to have lifelong memories from a handful of experiences that are just going to absolutely stick and stay in my memory banks. And then the last one, my fifth thing, uh, building a legacy of impact. So my five things as I was coming into quarantine, how I feel about myself when I'm by myself, the return that I'm getting from investing in my health, how I am keeping my relationship with my wife and kids first, manufacturing lifelong memories from world-class experiences and building a life of legacy or building a legacy that is built on impact.